Welcome to the Nurse Becoming Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume Rx, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self-discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth, all through the lens of nursing. Well, hello. Welcome back to the Nurse Becoming Podcast. It's your host, Amanda Guarneri. As always, I am so happy to be in your ears today to have you listening, whether you are a new listener or a longtime listener. I am super grateful for you. And I was just realizing now that I'm planning July's podcast episodes, that we are coming up on the one-year anniversary of the podcast, which is so exciting. It feels like kind of just yesterday that this was an idea of mine and not yet a reality. And so that was just a little reflection that I had that I wanted to share with you. Uh, But today we are going to feature an interview that I did that I am very excited about. And it's very timely because we're going to be talking to the co-founders of Lavender, which is an online mental health platform. That's a little bit unlike probably any online platform that you have heard of before. And it's timely because it is May and May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So we are going to be talking or I we I'm going to be talking to um, Bridget Gannon and Preet Machada, and they are two DNP educated nurse entrepreneurs who co-founded this company called Lavender. So they actually met while completing their DNPs at Yale School of Nursing, which is also my alma mater. That's kind of our connection uh, between the three of us. We didn't know each other when we were there. We were there at different times, but it's this uh, nice thing that we have in common. And you'll hear their whole story, but basically they founded Lavender in the midst of the pandemic uh, last year as a solution to a problem that they saw in the healthcare space. And Bridget comes to this partnership in this business as a psych mental health nurse practitioner. She's an entrepreneur as well and is the founder of Ivy Psychiatry, which is a psychiatric group that provides psych consults in skilled nursing facilities in New York State. And Preetma comes to this with serial entrepreneurship experience and, and nurse executive experience. She has really been um, a nurse innovator. She's been involved in clinical informatics and technology and owns multiple businesses, actually. So the two of them are, are kind of a match made in heaven, and we'll dive into the different parts that they each bring to this business. So you'll hear about both of their nursing stories, also their story of how they came to know each other, as well as how they came to decide to found Lavender. And you'll hear more about Lavender, which I am a big fan of. It's obviously nurse founded. It is the providers of Lavender are psych mental health nurse practitioners. So it's kind of all in the family, so to speak. And they're hiring. And so at the end of the episode, if you are a psych mental health NP and this sounds like something interesting to you, I would definitely encourage you to reach out to either of them. And there's information in the show notes and at the end of the episode if you are interested in getting involved with Lavender as a clinician. But regardless of that, this is a really value-packed 
episode, we go into talking about entrepreneurship and we covered so many topics and it was such a joy to talk with them both. So without further ado, let's dive right into the episode. Okay, Preetma and Bridget, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. We're excited. Thanks, Amanda. Yes, I... I am super excited to have you. We have connected before kind of offline and and been professional friends for a little bit. So this is great to be able to have a more uh, formal conversation and really get to interview you and, and share that interview with my listeners. Great. Awesome. So I have, I have introduced you each uh, officially before we started this part of the recording. So I would love for you to each Introduce yourself in your own words. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and of course, your role in Lavender as well. Great. Should I go first, Bridget? Yeah, go. Go, Preetma. Awesome. Well, my (laughs) name is Preetma. I'm a registered nurse. I've been nursing for about 18 years. And my journey has been really unique and diverse, which uh, has afforded me a lot of great opportunities. And the latest one being Lavender, which is uh, an online psychiatry and therapy office that Bridget and I founded last year. I'm Bridget. I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner. Like Preetma, I've kind of done all sorts of things in nursing, including a lot of consultation work at nursing homes. And also um, working at a woman's shelter in Brooklyn, New York, as the Associate Director of Behavioral Health. And most recently, my new baby is Lavender, which I co-founded with Prima. Awesome. And I am so excited for us to talk a little bit more um, about Lavender and about the partnership that you have and the experience that you've had as business owners. First, I'd love to give a little bit more of a story into each of your origin stories. I like to ask this of my guests kind of when you decided to go into nursing and and whether this path is what you expected or kind of what shaped this path along the way and brought you to this point. So Preetma, if you'd like to share first. For sure. Yeah. I've had a long and windy path. And so, and, and I never imagined it would have led me to where I am today. And so, you know, I started uh, nursing in 2003, and uh, my mom is a nurse, and they were uh, immigrants here to Canada and the United States, were dual citizens, and she actually got her training in Canada as a second career or as a first career because she had only had a high school education before then. Um, and as immigrants, they, you know, moved around significantly. And my mom always was able to get a job right off the bat, whereas my dad had to go back to school time and time again. So that really resonated with me. It really stuck with me when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do in my career. That combined with just being a people person and always being that person who provided care and support to family and friends as I grew up led me into a career in nursing. And I worked at the bedside for many years, which I really enjoyed. But over the last decade or so, my career turned to health informatics, digital health, and I held a variety of executive leadership positions at health systems, and then eventually went into entrepreneurship. And even currently, I wear a variety of of hats. I'm actually the Vice President of Health uh, Innovation at Aploy, which is a recruitment and credentialing platform for healthcare facilities where healthcare facilities do all of their recruitment and onboarding and team management. 
I also co-founder of a cosmetic injectable practice called Bombay Beauty Loft, which combines holistic traditions of the East with modern tech and technology of the West. And um, I'm adjunct faculty at University of Calgary in UVic, and uh, now most recently co-founder of um, Lavender. And, you know, people might be wondering, <laughs> what is the common thread in these very disparate lines of work, um, seemingly disparate lines of work that I'm in today and all the hats that I wear. And really the common thread is technology. Digital healthcare and innovation is the common thread that connects everything that I do on a daily basis. And um, that's where my expertise is really rooted. And that's what I leverage in each of the roles within my current positions. And, and that's really what what um, I'm most proud of in nursing is that I'm able to do so many different things without actually physically changing careers. You know, I'm, I'm still a nurse. I'm always a nurse. All of my experience to date in nursing informs everything that I do, and I'm successful because of it. And I'm excited that I get to do a variety of things that make up my full-time complement of work, which is the normal in this day and age in every industry. People don't no longer work, you know, 40 hours a week at the same job. They have multiple talents and multiple passions. So, so that's a little bit about me. <laughs> I love it. And I love that you wear so many hats. And I'm wondering when you were growing up, were you kind of inclined towards the sciences or was there any sort of clue that you would eventually not only go into nursing, but also be so involved in technology and innovation? Yeah, good question. I, Amanda, I was actually very inclined in sciences and I excelled in science. And so, you know, my parents always said, oh, you have to be a doctor or a nurse. I mean, you know, they said doctor. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, from a young age, I was always very tech savvy. I was into sciences and I always had leadership traits as well. My parents found and I found. So uh, it's interesting how that panned out in my career. I love it. Bridget, tell me a little bit more about kind of your story, your trajectory, where you started and, and kind of how things have evolved since then. Sure. And I just wanted to add, Prima, that you did become a doctor. So you're, you have your GMP yeah. from Yale. <laughs> yes. Prima and I met. Yeah. So your parents got there. They got a nurse and a doctor. Yep. Checked off all the boxes. Yeah. Big all the boxes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Amanda, I found nursing. I had I had a pretty non-traditional journey towards nursing. I was actually, I had a BA in dance from Wesleyan University. I was a modern dancer. And I was also pretty severely dyslexic as a child. So I really struggled in school most of the time. And, you know, after I graduated from Wesleyan, I tried dancing professionally, but it's very competitive. And there's also very little money. And I was looking at careers where I could serve people and make an impact and where I could find purpose and meaning, but also be able to support myself financially. And nursing kind of found me and I did a second degree accelerated bachelor's to become a nurse. And I think also dancers are very aware of like the mind-body connection. And I was, that was always something that I was really interested in. And I when I looked at all the different like health professions, what I loved about nursing is that, you know, the nursing models to take a very holistic approach to health. So we recognize that our mind and our body and our communities and our food and the environments in which we live all connect 
how healthy we, we are. And that's something that dancers think about a lot. So anyway, so I worked as a registered nurse in the community and women's health, you know, very briefly for a year. And I realized um, that I wanted to become a psych NP. So I went back to school to become a psych NP again and landed at a woman's shelter in Brooklyn, New York called Tillery Women's Shelter. It's the largest public shelter in New York City for women of chronic mental illness and substance abuse. It's a very intense place to work. And I was there for five years working with the women there. And I always had a side gig of going to nursing homes as a psychiatric consultant. And I loved working at the shelter, but I really wanted to make a bigger impact. And I wanted to have more control over all the decision making, which is what led me to entrepreneurship. Because when it's your business, you can make decisions very, very quickly. You don't need to get government approval or budget. Yeah. And that's, I founded a company called Ivy Psychiatry, which provides consultation in nursing homes. We're in three states and we're, we have 20 psych NPs and we're in over 40 nursing homes. So that's been quite a big project of mine. And like I said, now I am mostly focused on lavender with Prudma. I love that. I want to know more about where the DNP played into this process. Was it for both of you kind of before or after entrepreneurship? Was it to enhance your skills as an entrepreneur or for other purposes? Uh, and then the story of how you met. I know that you both uh, met while doing your your DNP together. Yeah. So for me, I had already been an entrepreneur while um, when I applied to and, and completed the DNP. I was kind of um, 50-50. I had my own one of my own businesses, and then I also worked as an executive director at a health system. And so I was balancing the two because I really enjoyed working in both. And I wasn't sure for a very long time. I think it took me 10 years of being in entrepreneurship that I finally took the leap and put both feet in that bucket. <laughs> but for a very long time, I was in both. And so what propagated myself applying into the DNP program was really my passion for education. I've always been super passionate about education. I've always wanted to complete a terminal degree. And I really have always been passionate about applying research into practice. I knew that I didn't want to be a researcher or an academic. I don't want to discover new knowledge. I want to help apply that knowledge practically into the workplace through my roles as a leader, whether it be as an intrapreneur or an entrepreneur. So that was my calling of going to, to Yale and, and doing my DNP. And having gone through it has accentuated my abilities to really quickly apply research and innovation into practice. So I, I'm very grateful for that experience. It, it's made me a lot more adept at um, moving more quickly and um, more diligently through those processes. And Bridget, how about you? Oh, for me, I decided to go for my DNP because I didn't feel like I got enough education about healthcare business, healthcare leadership, teaching adults in my master's program. And I felt like there was a real knowledge deficit there. I had no formal leadership training. I really didn't know anything about healthcare and business. So I really wanted to get my DNP to learn. That was the main motivation. And I think initially I did think I would go into academia and teach with my DNP, but I've decided that isn't for me. <laughs> and I wanted to focus on entrepreneurship and innovation, but I had no idea how much of an impact the DNP would make on my life. I mean, I think the people I met there, including Prima, the confidence I've gotten, 
you know, it, it really, really has changed my life. I would not be here today doing the things I'm doing if I hadn't gotten my DMP. Truly. Yeah. And Bridget, the beauty of that, of the DNP program that we went to was that it was just so diverse. Like our cohort, (laughs) no one in our cohort had the same job or the same journey in nursing. Some were in clinical, some were in leadership, some were in teaching. It was all over the map and it was, it was a melting pot. And it, and I think because of that, our experience was so much more rich and we learned so much more in addition to obviously, you know, classroom um, coursework and, and assignments and such. Um, but we learn so much from one another. And what I liked so, so much about it is that that program applied to each and every one of us in different ways. And we took the learnings from it and were able to grow in all of our careers, even though they were so unique and disparate from one another. Totally. I mean, even like I'm thinking about like when you're a clinician, you're very siloed in clinical work and you're surrounded by a lot of clinicians. And when you're a healthcare leader in the C-suite, you're surrounded by a lot of leaders. And I think it was so great for me to be surrounded by a lot of healthcare executives. I didn't, I hadn't had a lot of contact with them in my professional life. And I think similarly, they didn't necessarily have a lot of contact with frontline clinicians anymore. So we, we were constantly learning from each other and Um, I just saw two of our DMP Mm -hmm. classmates this weekend. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we all keep in touch and we're very, very close. I'm so glad to hear that. And part of me asking these questions about the DMP is is a bit selfish, right? I I went to Yale, but when I went to Yale, they didn't have a DNP. And it's been, you know, on my mind, there's always a lot of chatter about the DNP versus other degrees, you know, and, and a lot of the conversation is actually geared towards those who are entering the NP profession, right? Should I go to a master's NP program or should I go to a DNP NP program? But this is a different conversation because what it sounds like is many, if not all of your classmates were not in a combined NP DNP program. It was for professionals who were already practicing and then returned to this program, if I understand correctly. Mm-hmm. And many of our classmates were not MSN. They had MH, MHAs, Prima has an MHA or NBAs. So it, it really just kind of illustrated all the different journeys that nurses can take in terms of their higher education. But most of our classmates had 10 plus years of professional experience, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. And Amanda, it's interesting that you bring this up because I mentor a lot of um, nurses or meet with a lot of nurses because a lot of nurses end up just by chance messaging me on LinkedIn or wherever asking for advice because they're at this kind of crossroads in their career where they want to continue with their education. They're not really sure where or how and what would be best for them. So I've met with a lot of nurses to help them figure that out, right? And the first thing is always, what is your goal? You know, so quickly we're like, well, you know, if there's an MSN or a DNP available, well, then let's just jump to the DNP. But it's really about what your personal goals are and what brought you to where you are today, right? Do you want to be a clinician for the rest of your life or do you potentially want to go into leadership at some point, right? So there's a time and place for every bit of education. There might be a use case for someone going straight into their DNP versus, you know, if they want to practice as a nurse practitioner first and then potentially go into leadership, well then, you know, do your MSN and then do your DNP in leadership after, right? Or do your MSN in family practice and then do your DNP in psychiatry. Like there's so many different ways about it and it really should be catered towards 
yourself as a learner and where you want to be, not necessarily what's available, right? So reflection is always important. And and sometimes it is hard to figure that out in your own head. So it's good to always talk to colleagues, talk to trusted colleagues. Yeah, I love that that perspective and that suggestion, because I also see a lot of nurses asking this question of, of what to do next. And I think that there's this tendency to kind of seek outside of ourselves for validation, like just tell me what to do. Sometimes that's what people are asking to tell them what to do. But like you said, it involves a lot of self-reflection and really determining what your personal goals are because there are so many different paths and and there's really not a cookie cutter journey for everyone. So I really, I'd love and appreciate that perspective. Hey friend, you may or may not be job seeking right now, but if you are, or you will be in the future, I'm popping in to let you know about my most popular offer, the Nurse Resume Template Bundle. This is a digital download product that includes six beautifully designed resume and cover letter templates for both the experienced and new grad nurse or NP. You deserve to have a resume and cover letter that really showcases exactly why you are the perfect person for the job. So never again lose out on the opportunity to interview because your resume got lost in the stack. When you purchase the nurse resume template bundle, you'll also get access to three really essential bonuses that I created for you. My credential organization system, a job application tracking system, and the most asked for resource, an ATS video explaining what the heck the ATS is. (laughs) And it also includes two really friendly additional templates that are super ATS friendly. Okay. So you can learn more about this and you can purchase the nurse resume template bundle for just $37 at theresumerx.com slash offer. That's theresumerx.com slash O-F-F-E-R. Now back to the episode. So I would love to know more about when you both decided to go in business together. And I think that this will also be the origin story of Lavender. So if you'd like to share, uh, I would love to hear more details about that. Well, just like the rest of our careers, the origin story of Lavender was a bit windy too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think it all started in, uh, was it? 2019. It was 2019 when Bridget and Angela um, from from our from the program uh, came to visit me here up in Banff, Alberta. I live in Canada, and uh, we're taking a day trip out to Banff, and uh, we were chit chatting Bridget and I on the drive up about what's next for us. You know, she owns Ivy Psychiatry, I own Bombay Beauty Loft, and I had another tech startup that employee acquired who I currently work for. And, and, you know, we're like, what's, what's next for us? And we started talking about how, you know, going forward, we don't want to really open up like a brick and mortar, you know, practice where we're in there day in, day out. And um, we want to be able to work with our minds and work from anywhere and support fellow nurses because we're constantly contacted by nurses who want to know, how can I get into entrepreneurship? How can I take my next step? What did you do? And so 
when in talking to nurses, what we found was that there's a knowledge deficit and and in terms of going into entrepreneurship, they didn't know where to start or how to do it. And, and you know, this isn't something we're trained in school and, and there's a lot of fear around it, right? There's a lot of risk around it. So uh, there is a significant hesitancy. So we thought about, you know, we need to do some sort of a franchise, you know, where we can build a business in a box and allow nurses to get into entrepreneurship. And we thought, oh, we could probably do that for psychiatry. We could probably do that for cosmetic injectables. You know, and we ended up landing on cosmetic injectables first and then eventually going into psychiatry. And so we developed this idea and met with a variety of nurses. And we're actually about to sign our first lease with our first franchisee. And and then the pandemic hit. This was in March. And so we paused on that to see kind of what shook out. And uh, in doing so, I believe it was like March 24th or something, you know, Bridget and I were on the phone and we're like, oh my gosh, this is the time that we need to pivot to psychiatry. Like there is such a need right now and there aren't enough providers. There's not enough care. And with psychiatry, we don't need, you know, a facility. It could be just online. And so I'll pass it over to you, Bridget, to tell the rest of the story. Yeah, we actually had signed the lease pretty but we hadn't got it notarized. <laughs> so it was saved by the notary because like so many businesses, we would have been um, paying rent for a space we couldn't uh-huh. use, right? So yeah. we were very, very fortunate there that we had not gotten it together to go to a notary. But yeah, so we pivoted to mental health care online. And a lot of it too had to do with the fact that you know, COVID was starting, people were extremely anxious and had a lot of uncertainty about the future and were not coping well with all the tremendous amount of stress they were under. And we kept, you know, having people reach out to us for mental health referrals. And unfortunately, the story we kept hearing from them was that their mental health journey was really challenging and sort of re-traumatizing because, you know, providers were not getting back to them or they couldn't book easily online nobody was taking insurance, and they were sort of getting rejected during the process of trying to access care. So we felt like there was a real need for an online psychiatry and therapy office that was super responsive and really intentional about being kind at every moment of the client journey. Yeah. And we also recognized that psych NPs are not traditionally utilized to their full scope, You know, we are kind of used as med management machines and we do a lot of prescribing. And although we're licensed and trained to provide supportive counseling and psychotherapy, we're not utilized like that in most outpatient community practices. So our psych NPs do both the medication management piece and they also provide the psychotherapy in one appointment. And it's been really interesting with our team because, you know, a lot of them are really enjoying the face-to-face time they have with their We call them clients, but with their patients, because typically they would see them once a month for a 20-minute med management appointment, and that's it. And a psychologist and our social worker would see them weekly. So it's been really interesting, and I think our clients are, they really are responding well to not having care that is so siloed between two different providers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so you must have just recently celebrated your one-year anniversary, I imagine, Uh, or it's coming up soon because it sounds like this, I know this whole pivot happened, you know, in the midst of COVID last year. 
Yeah. I'm looking so at the calendar, you, Amanda. I'm like, March. Her. I know, me too. I, I was yeah. just looking at Google. Um, so yeah, March 24th, we came up with the idea and we launched in 45 days on May 4th. And so May 4th is next week. Wow. <laughs> you need to wow. make a cake. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're coming on our one year anniversary and uh, we have grown tremendously in this year. I can't believe a year has gone by. I think we have, I don't know what the last count was of how many providers, Bridget, maybe 14. It's crazy. <laughs> 14 providers. And we're just uh, in a state of constant growth and we continue to keep breaking some of our processes and having to rebuild them to scale, right? And so uh, right now we're currently based in New York State and we're looking to expand into a couple of more states this year. So it's been it's been a fun ride. It's been a really rewarding, exhilarating, exhausting ride. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering what the kind of biggest challenges or things that you didn't expect in this past year, because this very specific model is quite different than what either of you have done before. So uh, wondering what any big surprise or challenging moments were over the past year. Mm, I think we've had a lot of challenges. I can speak specifically, Bridget, to the operations piece, and you can speak to providers. But operationally, right, we wanted to, it's taken some time to understand, you know, how many people do we need at our virtual front desk to manage the phones and the emails and things like that? And what systems do we need? And, you know, as our team has grown, we've gone through those issues of dropping the ball on some some clients where we've missed follow-ups, where we've missed certain things. And so we've had to look to other industries for best practices, right? In terms of call center best practices, we recently um, launched a ticketing tool uh, to manage it's an omni-channel ticketing tool where all of our phones and emails and all of the channels of communication come into one software so that we can see the entire thread of communication so that, mm. you know, when we have multiple people on the phone, they can see and, and speak competently to what that client was last told and by whom. So we've also tapped into the sales industry to look at what best practices are in terms of cadences for contacting clients that reach out to us inquiring about our services, right? So how often should we be reaching out to them? When, where, how? Those are all things that were new to us, right? And so really trying to fine tune that and get the appropriate frequency at which we follow up with clients has been really important in converting those clients into into new patients and and booking. So uh, it's been a, a lot of learnings and a lot of new tools and tech that we're unfamiliar with. But, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're always curious. And whenever we have a problem, we think, there has to be a solution for this. We're not the first ones to experience this. So we go to our trusted Google and start looking. <laughs> and usually we find the solution there. So I think it's that curiosity that drives innovation and drives um, best practices in our work. And I'll pass it over to you, Bridget, for more of the provider nuances that we've experienced. Yeah. Well, you know, there's an obvious huge demand for mental health services right now. So psych MPs are... There's a shortage of mental health providers, including psychiatric nurse practitioners who are always competing for staff. Definitely one of the major challenges that we've experienced. But I have to say, Amanda, that we, because we're nurse founded, the support that we've gotten from the nursing community is really remarkable. I mean, Pritma and I are constantly Mm -hmm. getting messages from nurses on LinkedIn. And even during our interviews, the psych MPs we interview are, are just 
you know, they always say, no matter what happens here, it's just been so nice to meet you and thank you for what you're doing. And um, I'm so happy to see that this is a nurse founded mental health group versus like a VC founded (laughs) group. So we are very, very lucky that uh, we have psych MPs reaching out to us wanting to be a part of this journey. I would say the, the other two challenges, one is that we Based in our current model of being online only, we're not able to help everyone. So we're recognizing that there's some clients that are more chronically um, mentally ill, and it's it's challenging to say no to them and tell them that we're not able to support them. And I know that it's definitely in our pipeline to figure out some innovative models in the future to be able to support clients like that that have more complex needs. And the other thing would be, you know, we are experiencing a collective trauma. So our providers, even though they're providing mental health support, some of them are under a lot of stress and have been traumatized themselves through COVID. So we are recognizing that we need to be on the watch out for provider burnout. And we're trying to be very intentional in terms of what we can do to support and, you know, reduce provider burnout as much as possible. It's it's hard. It's hard work. You know, our, our psych NPs are doing eight hours of face-to-face therapy a day with our clients who are, who are, have a lot of needs right now. And that's challenging sometimes to do when the world is falling apart around it's you. Also challenging. Yeah. It's also challenging as a remote team too, right, Bridget, in yeah. terms of yeah. how do we provide that support and how do we provide that culture and that camaraderie as a team. And so we're looking at a variety of tools and we leverage currently a lot of tools too, in terms of Slack and other things and really try to celebrate our successes as a team and provide multiple different channels of opportunities to engage with one another. So that's been another new thing for us in in how do we optimize the culture and the engagement of remote teams. The way you both just kind of describe the different challenges in the different arms of the business brings up another question about how you specifically your your roles within the business. So I understand that you are co-founders of Lavender. Do you each kind of take an arm of the business, whereas maybe Pritma, because this is what you were talking about, do you handle more of the operations side? And Bridget, do you handle more of the clinical side? How do you divvy up those responsibilities? Yeah, that's where our partnership is really beautiful. I think in terms of um, myself coming from the leadership kind of executive operation side of businesses and health systems and things. So I manage a lot of the operational pieces, the tech pieces, and Bridget is more the clinical side of the house. So it's a really good and robust complementary partnership. I think in that way, Bridget, feel free to add. Yeah. And it's it's been really nice, Amanda, to have Preetma as a co-founder though, because she kind of has a fresh set of eyes on the way psych MPs practice. You know, we Mm -hmm. kind of do things just because we've always done them that way. And it doesn't necessarily mean that there's more innovative ways to do things. So sometimes Prima will question why we do things the way we do. And I'll say, I don't know. (laughs) That's just (laughs) always the way we've done things. And that's how I was trained. So yeah, we have a very good business marriage in that way. Yeah. But I would say when you're a small business and you're a startup, I think Kritma and I are both involved in everything. Kritma crosses over to the clinical side. I cross over to the operations side. Unfortunately, we haven't really been able to. We're both at all the meetings together. You know, we're... Yeah, we haven't really... 
Yeah. Yeah. We never really, we don't really have gated roles at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we, we're really intuitive in knowing, like we do have a really good rhythm going, Bridget, where mm-hmm. we share an email address as well, right? Because, you know, the last thing we wanted was separate email addresses and then we'd get confused as to who's doing what. And it's interesting because intuitively we both go in there and grab the things that we know that we should do versus the other person. And I don't think there's ever been any issue with that. We've just naturally figured it out. So that hasn't broken down yet. So we're not going to fix something that's not broken. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's so helpful to hear not only how other people structure their businesses, but also kind of learning when you are in entrepreneurship, you can you can work in your zone of genius, whatever that is, and and find compliments for those areas where you're not as strong. Uh, and I think that's a, an important to, lesson to learn. And that's usually something that I recommend to kind of budding side hustlers or business owners is, you know, recognize what your strengths are, recognize that zone of genius and find somebody else to complement those areas where you're not as strong. And I think that uh, your partnership is a really good, good example of that. I think too, um, in terms of having a partnership, I learned early on, I I was the sole founder of a business in the past and um, it was hard. It was lonely. I don't think I gained momentum as fast being a sole founder and I didn't really have anyone to bounce my ideas off of. So I struggled with it. And since then, you know, the three companies I've launched after that have always been with co-founders. But that's not to say that you need a co-founder. Don't go looking for a co-founder just for the sake of having a co-founder. It really needs to be that magical moment of, oh my goodness, this person is an amazing compliment to me. They have they share the same values. Maybe this can work. So so it, it does have to be a matter of chance, I think, and magic. Not necessarily go out and seek one because you have to have one because that could lead to problems as well. So I've been lucky where I've um, met the right people, <laughs> and um, it's really been a blessing. And it's been I think lavender wouldn't be where. It, is today without either one of us. I think if it, if one of us were to go on it alone, it wouldn't have been as successful nearly as fast. Yeah. It's also nice, um, I think, because it, entrepreneurship can be really lonely. And I think a lot of nurses struggle with that because they go from working like in a hospital environment or community setting where they're surrounded by people. Nurses are very social. I would say to generalize, we like people, we like talk, being around others. But I think that if you don't have a co-founder, you can certainly find community in other ways. Amanda, like the community that you're building and Facebook groups, there's ways to build a business alone and not feel so isolated. But I think that you have to be very intentional about making sure that you are building those relationships so that you have someone outside of yourself to bounce those ideas mm-hmm. off of. You can always have advisors too, right? It yes. doesn't necessarily need to be a co-founder. And I know early on when people have ideas, they often hold those ideas too close to their chest and and out of fear for someone else taking it or, you know, feeling sounding dumb or whatever. And, you know, the best thing I've ever done is just put myself out there. I've taken the risk. I've taken the chance and I've always just talked perhaps too much (laughs) and and shared because in every single opportunity that I've had has come as a result of that. So had I not, and had I kept things to my chest and, you know, there have been times where I'm like, Ooh, do I, do I share that? Do I tell, what if someone does something, but, 
the truth is if someone's going to do something, they'll go and do it, right? Let's just hope that, you know, and that will entice you to move faster too, right? So, you know, everything good has always come from myself, putting myself out there and taking the risk. So that's what I would recommend. Yeah, I think that's such great advice. And I I agree with you that entrepreneurship by itself can be very lonely, but making those intentional relationships, whether it's a peer relationship or, you know, hiring a mentor or working with a coach or an advisor, like those relationships can be so valuable because they give you that sounding board and that opportunity to speak your idea out loud because, you know, I, I couldn't imagine how many ideas haven't happened because people are too afraid to to say it out loud. And especially, I think, nurses, we are by nature innovative and creative and, and looking for ways to to get things done. And I, I hate to think of all those ideas that have been stifled because there hasn't been an outlet to express them. So I think that is such fantastic advice. And also nowadays, too, a lot of universities and a lot of professional associations are creating mentorship programs where people are volunteering their time and you can get a lot of free mentorship and advice from your alma mater and from your professional association. So those are definitely resources as well. Yes, for sure. Well, I appreciate your time so much. This has been, I, it, it's so fun to interview people who I've connected with before and and have had relationships with because I always end up learning something new and and stumbling upon, you know, other gems of information. So thank you so very much. Um, Please tell us how we can learn more about you and about Lavender and about potentially any job opportunities or, or ways nurse practitioners who are listening could get involved with your company. You can visit, um, our website is www.joinlavender.com. You can also email us at hello at joinlavender.com. And we are always looking to connect with other nurses. So please feel free to email us. You can also find Preetma and I both on LinkedIn. We love LinkedIn. We're both very active there. You know, people can message us there. And we are hiring about one to two psych MPs a month. Currently, we are looking for New York licensed NPs, but we are also expanding into Washington state. So if you're a Washington state licensed psych NP, please get in touch with us. And we also, like I said earlier, we kind of have been lucky that we have crossed paths with a lot of people that ended up on our team. So if there's a role that you think, if there's a skill set that a nurse thinks they have that we could benefit from, please also get in touch with us. We'd love to meet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I am going to uh, put all information that you mentioned in the show notes. So links to your website, links to email you so that anyone listening who wants to learn more or connect with you, I'll also add your LinkedIn profiles. I think that's a great way for all of us to connect in a different type of social media environment. So those will be in the show notes wherever you're listening to this episode. Thank you both again so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you, Amanda. Amanda. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and making it all the way to the end. If you found today's episode helpful, would you take a minute and give me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts? It will truly help other nurses find this show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I cannot wait to connect with you again soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.